0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Uh, Today is Pentecost Sunday, and this is a great holiday that often gets missed. If you don't have Pentecost Sunday, you don't have spirit-infused Christians. And spirit-infused Christians makes all the difference, not only in the ministries that we do, but it makes all the difference in the theology as to who you are and everything else. And it was important to Jesus. I mean, when Jesus was uh, getting ready to go to heaven... He actually told the disciples that they would be, in a sense, better off without him. Which kind of messes with our heads, like better off without Jesus. What? Jesus is standing here right next to us, speaking to us, telling us what to do, empowering us, giving us instruction. And he's telling us that we'll be better off if he goes away. And Jesus says, yeah, because if I go away... I can then go ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to all of you. No longer will it just be 12 disciples trying their best to follow God and hope everyone else catches on. No, there is a prophecy in the Old Testament that one day the Holy Spirit, who used to just rest on a few select prophets and kings, will be given to every single God follower in the world. Regardless of ethnicity, regardless of language, tribe, tongue, nation, any of that. Anyone who follows Yahweh will be given his spirit to be able to go out and do ministry and become all that they're supposed to be. So that's, that's a big deal. That Jesus actually thought it would be better if he was gone because then he could work with all Christians, not just with 12. And the Bible actually calls the Holy Spirit... You know the word, like the name Holy Spirit actually comes up very rarely in the New Testament. That's not the most popular phrase for the Holy Spirit. It's usually like Spirit, Spirit of the Lord. Uh, Sometimes called the Spirit of Jesus because the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Jesus is God. This is our Trinity 101, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are the same. And so Jesus goes to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit. But he needs the disciples to be right for that because the disciples aren't used to thinking that way. Uh, So far, they've been used to just walking in ministry over the years with Jesus right there. And so when Jesus dies, he comes back to life and he goes back to his disciples and he gathers them together over about 40 days and brings them together and says, all right, here's the deal now. I'm getting ready to go up to heaven. And that kind of weirds them out a little bit. I mean, Peter is like the first one to get to it. Whoa, whoa, whoa hold up! You're going away. <laughs> you already died and came back to life. And you know, there used to be this prophecy that there would one day be a king and his kingdom would last forever and his kingship would last forever. And we used to think maybe that was just metaphor, like who lives forever. But Jesus, you beat death. Like maybe we still see the holes in your hands. Clearly, you are someone who can live forever. You you mean to tell us <laughs> that this kingdom that you came to establish you're now going to go away? What what does that even mean? When are you gonna come back? Like are you are you just gonna float up there real quick to grab some angels and come back down and take over? Is that the plan? Like we're ready to go to Rome right now? Like this is the way that the disciples have always been ready to chomp at the bit here. And Jesus is like, It's none of your business <laughs> to know when I'm coming back. That's Information reserved for God and God alone. But you guys, you go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascends into the clouds. And it's interesting. It says, well, actually a cloud comes on Jesus and takes him up into heaven. And It's interesting. At that point, I don't know when it happens. Maybe it was right away. I like to think it took a bit. Because it says that while the disciples were gazing into heaven, suddenly... Two angels said, why are you looking up there? <laughs> and maybe they just like show up instantly. But I like to think that the disciples are just gazing up there, waiting. At, Hang on, he's coming back, right? This is this is one of those jokes that Jesus liked to play on us, right? And they're staring up into heaven. And then two angels say, why are you still here? You have your orders. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. I think they're still super eager to get going because they get back there and then we have the, uh, uh, they get back there and Peter's reading the Bible. He's trying to figure out like, what are we doing next? Like, they got to feel like orphans. They've had Jesus with them this whole time and now they don't have Jesus. So it's not like they're relying on the Holy Spirit to tell them something. So I see Peter just like passionately going through the scriptures, trying to figure it out. And he comes across a psalm and he's like, ah, here's a part about Judas. Uh, it says, uh, whoever betrayed God, that they would elect someone else to take his place. Okay, um, these two guys over here, they've been, they've been following Jesus the whole time. One of them should take his place. Uh, which one should it be? I don't know, let's cast lots, which is the equivalent of, like, let's do a coin toss or, or draw straws. Jesus will use that. <laughs> Funny for Peter, like, if you would have just waited, like, seven more days, the Holy Spirit would have been poured out. And then you could have just asked the Spirit directly. But instead, they, like, draw straws. Did God divinely inspire the drawing of straws? The Bible actually doesn't say. It just says that they did that. So here's Peter trying to figure out how to be a good Christian in this time, what to do next. They choose Matthias to take the place of Judas, and now they have 12 disciples, even though Paul would have been great for that since God kind of selected him directly as an apostle, right? Maybe the Holy Spirit might have just gone that direction if they listen. Either way... Uh, They're all together in one place worshiping when the Holy Spirit rushes upon them. And I don't know if this is like an intentional connection, but maybe, possibly. In the beginning of the Bible, you see the Holy Spirit creating the world. A lot of times we just think of that as God the Father, but not only does Paul tell us that Jesus created the world, but he also says that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit created the world. Because at the beginning, it says the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. The Ruach Elohim hovered over the face of the deep. Another way you could translate that actually is uh, a mighty wind hovered over the face of the deep. And then God says, let there be light, and there's light. And life starts to be created at the beginning of the Bible by the Holy Spirit. And Job tells us that God continues to create humanity by his Holy Spirit, animating them, giving them life, bringing them breath. So the Holy Spirit is a creator at the beginning of the Bible, throughout the Bible. And then on the day of Pentecost, while they're all sitting in this room trying to figure out what to do, that Ruah Elohim, that spirit of the Lord, that Numa, a mighty rushing wind, comes in the room and brings them to life again. But this is a new kind of life. This is new creation life. And they burst out the front doors. They're already empowered to do the ministry of God. The, the kind of ministry that God said Jesus said, don't go do ministry until you have received power from on high. Now they have it. And they burst out of the front door, speaking in all the languages of all the nations out there. All the Jews who are in town for the holidays of Pentecost hear it, because Pentecost was an Old Testament holiday. They hear it in Jerusalem, the capital. They take it all home to their nations to tell everybody, guess what we heard about this Jesus guy. And now the gospel is spreading. It's like a super revival moment. I wish it was... We were always that fortunate. (laughs) And then God also tells them, all right, now that you've reached the Jews and all the different nations with all those different languages, now go to those different nations with all those different languages and tell them the gospel too. Reach everyone. They are empowered to do ministry. And so they go out, not just speaking in tongues, but they go out doing all kinds of supernatural ministry. People are being healed. The dead are being raised Miracles are happening. Signs and wonders are happening. Crazy stuff all throughout the New Testament and all the way into today. That's because they have the Holy Spirit in them. But they themselves are also becoming a new creation on Pentecost. The Bible tells us that Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. Which means that the resurrection bringer, the new creation bringer, is the Holy Spirit. So when you're always having that conversation with yourselves about why can people only come to God through Jesus. Well, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have resurrection life. Because there's only one spirit capable of creating resurrection life. And if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have the King of Heaven. And there's only one King of Heaven. And Jesus is a gracious King. (laughs) Intentionally, from the very beginning of sending the Holy Spirit saying, get out there and tell everybody. I'm not trying to hold anyone back. Amen. Bring them into the kingdom. Offer them the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit comes, He begins to change us. Paul says the Spirit transforms us. That we move from glory to glory to glory. How does that work? That word transforms. In the Greek, it's metamorphoso. Which in English, we usually just say metamorphosis. You see a caterpillar, you watch it begin to change in a cocoon, and then it comes out the other side different. That's what we experience under the power of the Holy Spirit. You are not the same, and this is something that Christianity has fallen fallen into a trap with is that we think that when we become Christians, just life is still the same, we just now have Jesus. We said a magic prayer, and now we're all good to get into heaven. No, that's such shallow theology. The Bible is all about when you accept Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, He starts to chisel. And if you want to be more loving and joyful and patient and kind and peaceful and all those kinds of things, you only get that through the fruit of the Spirit. Not by the fruit that you grow in yourself, I have somebody I'm often working with as they pursue God in visions. And and when whenever the fruit in their garden grows, they never get to do it. They said that they went to water a strawberry and the Holy Spirit just picked up the watering can. I was like, no, that's my job. (laughs) They didn't even realize for months until I told them later, like, you realize that's biblical, right? So Holy Spirit's fruit. You cannot grow the Holy Spirit's fruit by your own effort. That's as ridiculous as trying to grow a palm tree in Antarctica. It's not the right kind of climate. It's not the right kind of cultivation efforts. The supernatural fruit of the Spirit comes by the Spirit alone. I remember one night in a convicting vision in my bed where I was just weeping. It was because God took me into a almost like a zoo, but for plants, which I'm realizing now has a word. <laughs> what What is that called? Green, Greenhouse. Greenhouse. Botanical, botanical garden. garden. Botanical garden. <laughs> it's like a zoo for plants. I have a new idea. Um, God took me into like the botanical. Stop it, Al. That's just rude. <laughs> can't just facepalm that significantly. Um, took me into like in inner garden of myself And just showed me all these plants And I was like, what is this? Well, that's the fruit of love What? Why does it look like that? <laughs> you need to grow it better, Jamin I thought it was Then we got to peace I'm like, what about that one? Why does that look so bare? Like, I just wrote a hundred pages in a book about peace That's what that looks like Oh, it's just strong theologically But uh, you still gotta grow it, Jamin Okay <laughs> And I just began to cry You know, but not like a shame on you. It was like a conviction kind of cry. Like it it actually felt good in a bad, good way. Uh, Whatever. It was powerful. God convicted me in that moment. Mm -hmm. Grow your botanical garden. That's the fruit of the spirit. That's not your fruit. The new life that you are metamorphosing into comes by the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul spends so much time in Romans. Remember, we just preached through that book. Paul spends so much time saying, get rid of Adam, get rid of the old creation, get rid of the flesh and put on the new man, put on Jesus, put on The new spiritual flesh that is the resurrection flesh because the Holy Spirit is a down payment on you, a guarantee on you that you are welcome into the life to come. And the Holy Spirit is the resurrection bringer, is the one who brought resurrection on Jesus, and surely he will bring it on you. Don't waste time thinking that's all down the road. I don't need to worry about it. No, it starts right now. And when you look at the early church and what happens immediately following the Holy Spirit being poured out on them at Pentecost, it's mind-blowing. See, people in Greece, like they had an idea of what utopia is. We have an idea of what utopia is. Our utopia is flawed. Anytime a human government tries to rise up to create utopia, it always fails. In fact, sometimes it turns into mass murder and genocide because their ideas as to what would somehow create utopia is completely flawed. But the Greeks, they had an idea as to what utopia would look like. And the way that Acts 2 describes the church living once they received the Holy Spirit, that was what they thought utopia looked like. Who are these Christians pulling off Utopia. They're loving one another. They're caring for one another. Signs and wonders are happening among them. Weird things are going on. If anybody else needs something, they all pool their money together and sell their stuff so that they can take care of one another. Utopia. People caring for one another, exploding out of the church. And guess what happened? as people saw how these Christians were living empowered by the Holy Spirit, guess what, guess what? The Lord, added to their number daily. the Lord added to their number daily. People got saved. How did part of the revival come around? In the earliest church movement ever recorded because it literally was the creation of the church. This is about people doing good works and living out the resurrection life. Why? Because taking care of one another, that's a new creation thing. Making sure that everybody is provided for, that's a new creation thing. Signs and wonders, that's a new creation thing. You ever look at the things Jesus did through that lens? Jesus is the king of heaven, and everywhere he goes, it's like heaven just bursts out of him. A lady comes up and touches him, and, and heaven like, contagiously moves down her arm and heals her of a bleeding problem from the last 12 years. Wherever Jesus goes, the fullness and goodness of heaven breaks out of him. Oh, we don't have enough bread. We don't have enough fish. Heaven has abundant bread and fish. I guess we eat fish in heaven. I don't know. And it bursts out of him, feeding thousands of people over and over and over again. The abundance of heaven comes out of the king of heaven. And now the Holy Spirit who's in that king has been given to the Christians and the abundance of heaven starts breaking out of them, sometimes supernaturally and sometimes normally. Heidi Baker does ministry in Mozambique, which at least was, if not still is, the poorest country in the world. And they often have to serve people through their good works. They have to work and toil and toil and toil to try to find all the food that they need to feed the many, many children that they take care of through their ministry. But one day they got ousted from their ministry. Heidi Baker and her husband Roland and their two kids had to leave. Otherwise, they were going to be killed. They were actually told that there was a um, uh, yes contract out on their lives, and that uh, I'm great with words tonight, and that uh, someone could get paid up to twenty bucks in Mozambique if they would kill her. Twenty bucks. That's how poor they were in Mozambique, and so they had to leave. And soon, all these kids that they were taking care of through this government. Uh, funded institution of sorts, all started to leave too because they weren't allowed to praise Jesus anymore and they were being beaten by the governmental employees that came in to take their place. So they all left and they started living in the yard of Heidi Baker's like one floor house. And they all start getting here. And at one point, uh, someone from the U.S. Embassy comes up to the Baker's family and says, I brought some chili for your family if you need it. Oh, we need it, but we have like 80 kids here. Oh, I only made enough for like the four of you and your family. They prayed and then they served 80 kids as this lady from the embassy just miraculously kept pulling out chili. Unsure as to how, but it happened in both ways. They worked through the tangible social efforts of the world to serve the poor and occasionally God stepped in in the supernatural to serve the poor as well. Abundant life breaking out of their ministry everywhere that they went. That's, that's an amazing kind of story and one that you see when you really press into the Holy Spirit and put everything on the line to, to show people the kingdom of heaven. And so often for American Christianity, it's just, uh, i said a prayer, so I'm good. And then we wonder why our spiritual lives are so weak and why we can't seem to get in touch with God and all these things. It's because we forget that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus is inside of us. That Jesus said, I don't want to leave them as orphans, so I have to go so that they have the father with them. So that they're not alone. And when we learn what the Holy Spirit sounds like, and we learn how to let heaven burst out of us, and we learn to pray in faith, not knowing if the chili is going to make it or not, suddenly heaven becomes real around us. When we step up and say, we're going to launch this dinner church thing, we're going to have to change the time, a bunch of you might leave, there's only 40 of us to do this, we don't know what's going to happen, Well, we see what happens when we give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit. Two years later, the room's filled with a hundred people. And also we see what happens when we step away. Uh, When COVID hits and we say, well, let's not put any risk on the line on our lives whatsoever because it's really weird out there. The church falls apart. And we don't know if we can pay the bills. And we don't know if we can serve our area. And we don't know how to reach people. You reap what you sow. We reap what we sow. And so as we move forward out of this own Pentecost story for our own, as we move forward into whatever God is calling us to in the fall, we reap what we sow. We can put it on the line and see what God does here in Jackson. Or we can nervously step away and we get what we sow. The Holy Spirit is the new creation bringer. He is doing it in you. The Holy Spirit is the empowerer. He is giving that to you. And if you want to see heaven break through now in the world around you, it's going to happen as you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Because just as you are a new creation human being in the midst of an old creation that is falling apart, So you are a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of heaven. Both things are said of you in the Bible, where when you walk throughout the world and you act as a citizen and an ambassador of heaven, both in the natural and the supernatural, heaven actually breaks out and gets installed around you. And then people look at that and say, look at those good works those Christians are doing. I want to be like that. When's the last time you heard something like that? (laughs) Look at the good things those Christians are doing. No, we reap what we sow there too. All the articles that come out about the church and the ridiculous stuff that we've done and the ways in which we victimize and hurt people, we reap what we sow. We have a big image that we now need to fix by letting the Holy Spirit use us to do it. let me pray for you as we lean into this new announcement today it is not an announcement saying we're taking a break and we're done it's an announcement saying we're stepping back to ask the Holy Spirit what now I want to hear your answers you may not have it right tonight but as you dream and as you pray and as you listen The Holy Spirit will speak to you. We'll talk more about that next week. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom. That's a part of his job. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. I want to hear how that affects 1208. So Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. You are the king and we are the citizens. You are the representation of everything that exists in heaven. And we are the ones who go out with that message to represent you to the world. You are the gospel bringer and the one who makes the gospel real and tangible. And we are the ones who spread that word, that good news. Jesus, we don't know what to do. Here we come on Pentecost Sunday, kind of like Peter. Turning through the Bible, looking for a verse that might stick out to tell us what's next. When maybe if we just stop and wait, we would hear the writer of the Bible himself speak to us and give us direction. Jesus, you want to speak. This isn't my church. This isn't our church. This is your church. This is your bride. And you actually like it when your church thrives. that makes a difference. That brings about heaven. So empower us today with fresh anointing and fresh power, fresh fire, fresh wind, fresh spirit. Just as Paul said, to keep drinking the Holy Spirit, to be filled and refilled and refilled, we ask for that now, a Pentecost here at 1208. Fill us up, speak to us. Let us know what to do. We're not slowing down, we're not breaking. We just need your guidance. just like the disciples before Pentecost. They weren't to slow down. They weren't to break. They were just to wait because you had something more going on. So teach us what that is. And as we go and worship at Spring Arbor tomorrow, speak to us directly. Let us learn from you. As we go to our home churches, may we break bread in such a way that our neighbors see all the cars in front of our house and say, what is that? I'd like to be a part of that. Those are Christians? I didn't know they could even have fun. Now, as we get together for spare oom and people are out the window making uh, drug trades as we've already seen, may they just be so captured by what's going on in that room that they look and say, there's something different in there and I think I need that instead. I need a different high than this one that keeps leaving me dry. And as we look for creative outlets to try to show the world who you are, be it dinner church or nerd church or our online church with Jackson Cloud, may all those things be ambassador um, gospel spreading ministries that have a difference. And may each one of us in our own unique situations know what to do so where we work, live, and play, that that would actually be impacted by the gospel and that we wouldn't just live out our lives thinking I said a prayer and that's all Christianity is. No, you have so much more in store. We need revival. And we need it in our hearts first. So bring it. We thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.